Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. On the month of February in 1991, years old, going to an elementary school one day in Songnam, South Korea. I just had recently moved school due to a new school project being built for the apartment community nearby, which, was, which I was part of. Uh, I was not that good of a child, and uh, I had this great idea in fourth grade. I wonder if, wonder what if I acted to go to school and not really go to school, and, uh, which is called ditching, right? <laughs> and I never really heard such a thing, and then I just kind of thought to myself, you know, maybe I should skip school today. And I used to live on the 15-story apartment on the 15th floor, and Apartment just like this, almost like this one, and uh, uh, this was uh, uh, in Songnam, Korea. And, uh, and I was uh, wise enough to uh, go up to the rooftop that day and uh, just stay there for several hours until the school was done. And uh, you might be thinking, Brother Jimmy, you are so terrible. I know. And uh, in every way, I'm sure all of you have some kind of skeleton in your closet too, right? And so don't judge me so soon, all right? But anyways, uh, I was only fourth grade and 10 years old, a little, you know, uh, uh, you know, in every way, I was sinners too. And uh, so I went up to the rooftop, and I, was, I stayed there for several hours, and I think it was about lunchtime, around 1230. Oh, my, kid, my friends at school are having lunch too, so I have my lunch as well. So, and I was all by myself and looking at the birds that were flying by on the 15th floor of the rooftop there. And uh, I was eating lunch and having a good old time by myself. <laughs> and uh, I think around 2.30, and uh, I thought to myself, all right, it's about time that I go back home. So I went down the stairs and uh, went to my apartment. As I uh, entered my apartment, I felt a little bit unusual, and uh, something was a little different, the atmosphere. I know my dad was home very sick, and my grandmother was taking care of him, and as I entered the living room, I saw my father lying on the, on the floor, and uh, usually in Korea, we uh, don't have really beds. We usually just lie down on the floor, have some blankets, and just sleep on the floor. And uh, the floor is also heated as well, and it's not tiles. It's, uh, I think it's uh, uh, laminated floors, and, and uh, in every way, anyone could do that in Korea. And uh, uh, so uh, when I saw him on the floor lying down with a blanket on t- uh, covering him, I didn't think anything else, thinking, oh, he's probably resting and sleeping. But uh, my grandmother was sitting right next to him on that day. And uh, I thought that was a little unusual, why, why she just kind of, staying by my father like that. I know she takes care of him, but why when he's sleeping? So that was my first, fourth grade perception on that day. And, uh, but I saw another unusual thing as the blanket was covering him. It was covering up to his chin. And I thought that was a little unusual. I mean, the split of a second as I saw him and I entered the room. And I was very... Not that close to my father. I think I asked some things if I wanted. And, and uh, he was very sick, uh, um, you know, in many of the years. I, I knew him when I was in elementary school. So I never got to play ball with him, never got to really spend time with him. And I was a little bit fearful of my father. And, uh, you know, uh, so I just went straight into the room. And uh, also, I ditched that day. So I felt a little, you know, unusual too. 
And uh, so I went into my room, and uh, so I was just thinking, what's going on here? And uh, around 30 minutes later, my mom entered into the room, or into the apartment. And uh, I heard the door open in a frantic way, and I heard it shut. And it was metal door. It's very loud. It closes. And uh, so uh, when she came in, I saw her standing, facing toward her bedroom, and saw the same sight that I did. But she understood what was going on. And she dropped her purse. And she started crying. And um, she looked at my grandmother from a distance, and she said, what happened? What did you do? At the moment, you know, she was, uh, of course, fearful and, and scared, and, and uh, you know, just the reaction, just, uh, just, I mean, just emotions just overcoming her, and, and uh, she said, what did you do? And, and she, went, she ran in right into her room, and I heard her cry for the next 10 minutes or so. And then my mother called me into her room, and I went in there as a fourth-grade boy, and I knelt right next to where my, daddy, my, my father was lying and, and also uh, when, where my mother was sitting. And my mother looked at me, and she was just, you know, distraught, just emotional, and she had a lot of tears. And um, one thing I noticed as I looked at my dad, I saw a cotton in her ear, in his ears, coming out. And uh, I still didn't get it at that moment. I, I said, well, what's going on here? Why does he have cotton in his ear? And uh, is he some kind of sick with his ears? And, uh, and next thing I know, I see my mom with a, just a bag of cotton right on her lap, too. And she was filling his nose and then also his mouth. And it just dawned on me then, I said, myself, my father must be gone. And she took my fourth grade hand and, and uh, she took my dad's, you know, 50-year-old hand and, uh, and she embraced it together with her hand as well, all three of us. And I was the only child that came home on that day. And my sister was still coming home. My other sisters were, you know, studying late. And uh, she took my hand and also my dad's hand. And I remember touching his hand. It was like touching an ice block. It was so cold. The very first time I touched uh, a person who was dead. And I still could feel it even today. And then she cried and she said, Jimmy, this is the last day, the last time you will see your dad. I still remember her telling me that in Korean with all the emotions and, and with all the, uh, the hurt that she must have had. And I remember leaving that room just thinking, when, when are my sisters coming home? And I remember Sarah coming in later. And I think my mother told her and and then uh, several hours later, Lydia and Sandra didn't come home yet. So, you know, I, I kind of, in every way, I had, you know, I had one mother, but I had three more mothers as well. Amen. <laughs> I had three older sisters. So, especially Sandra, she always kind of, uh, 
you know, took care of me when I was very little as well, and even Lydia too, and we have a big age gap, seven or six years old. And, and um, I remember waiting at the elevator that night, just waiting for Lydia and Sandra to come home. And I didn't want to go into my apartment. And uh, I don't remember if I had met Lydia or not, but I remember meeting Sandra for sure. And as she came out of the elevator on that 15th floor hallway, and, and I said, my father's dead. And, uh, and I, I saw her emotion as well, and, and we went in together. And uh, that's been now uh, 24 years. 24 years, uh, I have not had a father. And uh, as I think about my life, I, I realized that some people could view my life as a person who doesn't have a father or he didn't have a father for the last 24 years. And as I evaluate it, as I think about it spiritually, I realized that it's, it was only for nine years that I didn't really have a father. Because in the year of 2000, spring, I met my Heavenly Father. I met my Heavenly Father. I still remember that day in apartment 109 when I was burdened about sin. I was burdened about my life, and I received Christ as my personal Savior. And I thank God for the fact that there is a place called heaven, don't you? And uh, I remember even when I was in fourth grade going to Sunday school and after my father died, and I didn't have any tears on that day or even on the funeral because Sunday school teacher taught me there's a place called heaven. There is a place called heaven. And uh, I thought to myself as I was looking at my father's room at the window over there, and, and uh, I said, my father must have flew out of that window going to heaven. And I was even saved then. I was just somewhat rejoicing in my heart and knowing that there is another place. And my mom said, this is the last day I will see my dad. I know she was emotional. I know she was somewhat distraught at that time. And, and she probably couldn't get the right words to say. But spiritually speaking, you know, I will see my dad one day because he did receive Christ as personal Savior just a year before he passed away. And I thank God for that testimony. And especially, I got saved at the year of 2000 as well, and that I would definitely see him, and because he, he was born again, and that I also was, uh, was born again uh, several years later, and that we will also meet on that beautiful shore. You know, there is a land that is fairer than they, and by faith, we can see it afar. And the Father uh, 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 prepares the way. And uh, in every way, in the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. And ladies and gentlemen, thank God in every way there is a place called heaven, and that there is no death there, and there is no pain there, and that there is no uh, incorrupt, uh, there is no corruption, there is no mortality, but immortality, but incorruption, and God shall wipe away all tears, and, and in every way that we will all be in heaven together if we are born again, and we will rejoice together forever and, and ever. And as we think about our lives today, and also our family, especially our Father, and if you have Father who is in heaven today, rejoice in the fact that you will see him one day. And also, if you're a Father today, I want you to be encouraged by the fact that one day that you also go to heaven, 
And you will have to leave some kind of testimony to your children as well. I think about the story of Aaron. And uh, Aaron was not a perfect man. But in every way, as we think about Mount Hor, as he was going up to that mount, as this was his final day, he went up with his brother Moses. And also, who was there? His son, Eleazar. His son, Eleazar, was there. And these three went up to Mount Hor, and, and I'm sure they talked about some few things. I don't know what they talked about. And that's one thing I want to ask Aaron and Moses and Eliezer one day. And what did you guys talk about as you went up to Mount Hor and to say bye to Aaron? But Aaron was, just, was not just a high priest or a very, maybe a servant of the Lord, but he was a father as well. And, and uh, as he was saying goodbye to his son, I wonder what he said. And also, as he was delegating his priestly duty to his son, I wonder what occurred during that moment. And as we think about Aaron's life and his testimony, we cannot ignore the fact that not only did he serve God, and not only did he have the priestly garments and also the priestly duties, but he had the great responsibility of being a father. And uh, I believe as he was ending his life in Mount Hor, it was by the grace of God that he was able to leave some kind of legacy and some kind of testimony. Now, whether that be good or bad, I believe Eleazar was in every way inspired to do better and to do good and also faithfully serve the Lord because of the father that he had. Oh, I want to encourage you this morning, if you're a father today, consider your last day as Aaron had and I hope you consider what is to come in the future and what kind of legacy and testimony you leave behind your children. I think, of my, I think about my father. You know, he was somewhat of an atheist. He didn't really want to go to church. He didn't really like the Bible. But thank God he received Christ as personal Savior a year before he died. And uh, uh, after that life-transforming experience, Jesus Christ worked in his heart to study the Word of God. And one moment in his life during that year, he had a great desire. Maybe when he gets healthy, he will be able to go to a seminary and study God's Word. And, uh, you know, I'll be glad to say, to tell my dad one day, Dad, I went to Bible college. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I know you wanted to. I kind of followed your footsteps there. Now, I didn't know that until I went to Bible college. My mom told me that when I was in seminary. And, uh, you know, as I think about my father's testimony for that year, and it just in every way encourages my heart that God could change anyone's life and that God's grace is sufficient to work his wonderful power in anyone's life and also that God is gracious to bring about a legacy or even just a brief testimony that could inspire a child to do more for Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you fathers today, I don't know how many years you have. I don't know how many years I have. Only God knows. For the brief years that we have here, let us consider the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. Let us grow in the grace of God today and let us think about how God could truly change us and that God could truly inspire us to do more for our children and for our family and also especially for Him. And I believe our children will remember that. I still remember, remember the picture of my father in a wheelchair and, uh, and just praising the Lord in 
one of the services that he was attending. And that made an impression in my heart that he was not just a grumpy old man and, and a person who had temper and anger, but Jesus Christ changed his life, and he wanted to honor and glorify him. I still remember that. And these gentlemen, I don't know what kind of past you had. I don't know what kind of uh, life you have even today. God could change you, and God could do great things in your life, and God could have you to be a godly father so that your children would consider the testimony that God gave in your life and that they could do more and be more for the Lord Jesus Christ. So what are some events to notice about Aaron's life? I'm not speaking on behalf of Eliezer, but... What I have found in the scripture, I'd like to encourage you this morning, the three key moments of Aaron's life that display God's grace. And I'd like to give you these three points very briefly this morning. And first of all, a father with a sinful past. A father with a sinful past. And you know, no fathers are perfect. No men are perfect. No people are perfect. And that's why we need his grace. And look at this passage with me. I believe it's in your bulletin as well. Exodus 32 verse 1. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us out of the land of Egypt, we will not what is become of him. And Aaron said unto them, because Moses is not there, so Aaron speaks. And by the way, Aaron was a spokesperson for Moses because Moses had a slow tongue. And Aaron said unto him, okay, break off the golden earring. So people are used to hearing Aaron a lot. So what Aaron said, in every way must be true, must be the path we need to go. And, of course, they agitated the situation. They tempted Aaron in this situation. So Aaron responds, take off your gold earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings, which were in the ears, and brought them unto who? Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned them with a graving tool after he made it a molded calves. You see, Aaron was fully responsible of making this idolatrous uh, uh, calf in the camp. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And Aaron saw it. He built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And by the way, what is Aaron doing there? And Aaron is making a calf in one area, and then he's proclaiming about the feast of the Lord in the other. You know, he's trying to live a lukewarm life here and trying to please the people and maybe even trying to please God at the same time. And verse 6, and they rose up early in the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. You see, Aaron saw the great miraculous plagues in Egypt. He saw what God was able to do. And he saw what kind of judgment uh, wicked people would receive in their pride. And Aaron saw the great Red Sea split and walked on dry ground and saw the grace of God in that way. And Aaron saw the water out of a rock in the wilderness, how God provides. But now he succumbs to the pressures of the people to make them an idolatrous God, a golden calf. And the people even said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. What a blasphemous statement. This calf was not with them in the land of Egypt. was not with Jacob or Isaac or Abraham. They make it in the wilderness and they say, This is the God that made 
us come out out of the land of Egypt. What a wicked statement that was. What a wicked proclamation that was. But Aaron was in every way responsible. Aaron also made the people to be naked, if you read it in that same chapter, according to verse 25. And by the way, more people who are going after idolatry and after fleshly things, more naked they will become. And uh, in every way, they are uh, uh, prideful about their sensuality. And and we see that overnight, these people uh, went from spiritual to uh, 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 unspiritual and ungodliness and also wickedness. And Aaron was gravely responsible for this terrible sin. And Aaron made a terrible, sinful mistake at this time. Going after the world, worshiping idols, knowing what he knew in Egypt. And by the way, I remember when I was studying art in Otis and one of the uh, 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 sculptures I studied and and maybe Hannah will know as well in our art history. And uh, many of the sculptures and many of the art of Egypt had always calf in it. Why? Because they worshipped calf. They worshipped cows a lot. And you see, Aaron brought Egypt into the worship of God. And ladies and gentlemen, just a small application here. We don't need the world in this church, God's people say. We don't need to have that. This is a sanctuary. This is a place where it should be holy. And we don't need to adapt to the world. No, the world needs to change by the grace of God. And uh, in every way, ladies and gentlemen, let us not go after the world. Let us worship our Savior in a holy and godly way. But as we think about Aaron once again, Aaron made this terrible mistake going out to the world, adapting to the world and bringing the world into God's worship. And Aaron, in every way, yes, he was a spokesperson. Yes, he was a high priest. Yes, he had the priestly duties, as we talked about in the introduction. But he was also a father, and he had his family looking toward him. And by the way, he'll receive the consequence of what he did here. We'll see it later on in the next point. Because God always will judge sin. Yes, God will forgive sin, but there are always consequences to sin. And as we think about Aaron's testimony and how his family saw his sinful deed and also his sinful, I guess, uh, uh, disobedience, we have this application in our lives today as fathers. We also have a sinful past. And we have a past that we probably don't want to talk about within our family or maybe even to our spouse or maybe even to our children and even to this church, there are some things that we probably could say, you know, I'm ashamed that I've done that. I'm sure all of us could raise our hands if we were to do so. And in every way, thank God Jesus Christ cleansed all those sins away. And thank God that he has forgiven all those wicked things that we had committed against him. Now, even after salvation, yes, we will all make mistake. I'm sure you have some past events in your life that you could remember and saying, hey, even though I was a Christian, I went in the wrong direction. I went after the world and I went after uh, uh, the fleshly things. And, and I want to encourage you today, men, especially fathers, that whatever you have done in the past, God is still gracious to change you. 
long as you are humble to seek, your gra- seek His grace and also to seek His forgiveness and that He could restore you and you could go in the better direction and that you could leave a better testimony rather than being a prideful, disobedient, and unchanging testimony. God is gracious to give you a lot of things even today, despite of all the things you have done in the past. God is gracious to give you a job, to provide for your family. And God is gracious to give you a wonderful spouse, a wife. And God is gracious to give you uh, a a wonderful health. And God is gracious to give you a a leader. uh, 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 God is gracious to have you to be a leader in the home. And God is gracious to have you still be used in this local church. And and I am in every way uh, uh, encouraged by men here who are serving the Lord faithfully. And many of them, I know their past. And many of them, they have their, uh, 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 you know, they had their difficult moments. And, and they had their, I guess, sinful times in their life. But by the grace of God, God changed them. And by the grace of God, God is still changing them. And they are still being used at Bible Baptist Church. And there are no perfect people at Bible Baptist Church. And we are not to judge one another, God's people say. And we ought, not to be, we ought to be more gracious toward each other. And if someone's serving faithfully, yes, he had a sinful past, but therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Everything becomes what? All things become what? New. See that person as a new creature, not as an old creature. And we need to make sure we have the right perception in our church. And, and if you fathers feel, feel any insecure today about your past, know that where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And God wants to use you in a mighty way. And we are not all imperfect people, and we have, but we have a perfect God who provides grace. And, and, and man, you're not that strong. Don't act so tough, and don't act like you know it all. Don't la- act like you're always right. Be humble, and because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Wherefore, let him that thinketh standeth uh, take heed, lest he fall. In Proverbs 16, verse 18, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. You know, a few days ago, I made some comments to my wife about, you know, my, about my life, about maybe uh, some things that's been going around uh, in my life these days. And, and I was very discouraged, and I was kind of just, you know, having insecurity and fear. And I was telling all these things to my wife, and, and then I kind of got a little angry at the same time. Not toward my wife, just toward about the situation. And then uh, God just smote my heart the next morning, and, and uh, God just began to deal with me in devotion, and, and uh, God began to deal with me about security and also just giving me some encouragement and uh, by fe- uh, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, not because they knew about the situation, because God sovereignly just, you know, s- had them say something here and there that just encouraged me. And by the way, you know, when you encourage somebody and just and, and, and out of the blue, uh, uh, don't be afraid to do that because God might do something great with that too. And uh, I remember that morning and just God refreshing my soul and I picked up my wife during lunchtime for lunch and I told my wife, I'm sorry I said all those things. I was just being foolish. And, and uh, I realized that God wants to do something in my life more. And, and then she looked at me and she said, I prayed for you this morning. And uh, it looked like, you know, I told you so. <laughs> no. And, uh, but, you know, I'm just grateful for the fact that I have a wife who prays for me. And I'm just grateful for the fact that God dealt with me in that way. And, 
and that I was able to say I'm sorry to my wife. And when God deals you in that way, don't be afraid to say sorry to your wife or to your children because of what you did in the past. Don't be afraid of that. I believe that God will bring reconciliation. God will bring re- restoration rather than insecurity and fear among your children among, uh, and, and also between you and your wife. And I'm sure you want some kind of, uh, 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 I guess, uh, security and, and uh, some kind of uh, uh, strength uh, within your family life. And, and the only way to do that, I believe, is through humility. Oh, pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. You're falling, fathers, if you're not being humble with your spouse or, for your, or with your uh, uh, children, and, and, and you're in every way going after destruction rather than success. Think about all that you have done wrongly and sinfully in your life as well. It's by God's grace that you are who you are. It's by God's grace you have what you have. So don't be so prideful. So don't be so arrogant. Be humble. Be meek. And be weak. For when we are weak, Christ is strong. And we often make our mistakes. And Aaron did as well. What a terrible mistake. What a terrible sin that he did. But even with this, did he still become a high priest? Yes or no? Yes, he did. Did he carry out the priestly duty? Yes, he did. Did he mentor his sons? Yes, he did. He told his son, this is how you do it. This is where you need to go. This is the commandments of the Lord. You need to keep all these duties. You need to keep all these laws. You need to keep all these commandments. He was still able to teach his sons. And um, I was in Lake Tahoe uh, just a few weeks ago, and I think it was the last day. And uh, just for the sake of illustration, humor, and, you know, there's some things that we just kind of do. Ignorant things as fathers sometimes, and because you don't know all the ropes. And and, uh, I remember getting into the car, and we were going out of the hotel, and and I saw uh, vitamins right next to me. I thought to myself, well, these vitamins, you know, my children need it. They eat, you know, those gummy vitamins every single day. And, and I saw one that was sprinkled with white, and I saw one that was just, you know, uh, uh, just plain. And I thought to myself, oh, we have two different ones. And my wife was still uh, coming out of the hotel, and I looked at Josiah and Annabelle. Do you want some vitamins? And, and uh, I was excited to give it to them. And, and they're like, yeah, I want some vitamins. And uh, so I gave him some vitamins. And I, I told Anna, Anna, would you like the sprinkle kinds? And she said, yeah, I like those. And then so I gave him the sprinkle ones. There's only two left of those. So I gave her that one. And I gave Josiah the plain ones. And they started eating them. And then I, we drove out from the hotel. And uh, as I was driving out, my wife looked over. I said, where's my vitamins? <laughs> I said, what vitamins? Said, Aren't these children vitamins? I said, no. What about the sprinkled ones? Those aren't my vitamins. I said, really? I said, is it your prenatal vitamins? <laughs> I said, yes. And she said, yes, it's prenatal vitamins. And, uh, and uh, so Annabelle uh, is expecting already. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, that was a wrong statement. But anyways, Annabelle ate my prenatal vitamins that day. And I was, I was thinking to myself, I'm such a foolish father. What am I thinking, you know? And uh, so, and my wife was very discouraged. So I'm going to have to go without prenatal vitamins today. Yes, honey, I'm so sorry about that. And I'll buy you new ones. Anyways, uh, 
And, uh, but, but Annabelle enjoyed it, amen? <laughs> and uh, she really enjoyed it. And uh, she really enjoyed the sweet, nice, sprinkled kinds, all right? But anyways, I don't know why you bought that. Maybe it was a little cheaper. I'm not sure it was. Maybe it was. I'm not sure. All right, you can talk to my wife afterwards, all right? Don't talk to me, okay? I made my mistake. And uh, I said sorry already. But, you know, uh, fathers tend to make mistakes. And even sinful mistakes. And we need to make sure. Uh, we need to be very careful. And not to be prideful, but be humble. Secondly, a father of silent peace. A father of silent peace. Leviticus chapter 10, look at verse 1 through 3. And it's in your notes as well. Here's a consequence now of Aaron. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either them a censer and put fire therein, and put incense therein, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord, and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, this is, that the, this is that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. We will see the, this is the consequence of Aaron's sinful past, I believe. His sons put what kind of fire before the Lord? A strange fire. Not based on God's commandment, not based on God's laws. They do not obey God. And, and uh, I believe this is a consequence of Aaron's uh, uh, a sinful uh, 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 disobedience to the Lord uh, and making a calf and also having a feast to the Lord. And, and uh, so the sons, in every way, follow the same path uh, Nadab and Abihu does. And so what happens? The fire of God comes down and devours his sons, and his sons die. Now, how would you feel as a father at this moment? You see your sons just being burned alive, dying. Maybe anger, maybe bitterness, maybe being distressed, maybe having, knowing, maybe having the perception of unfairness, maybe unbelief. What did Aaron do? The Bible says that Aaron held his, what, peace. This is God's grace. Trusting God, submitting to his sovereign judgment. Being for God rather than being for his sons. That's the choice that Aaron had to make at this moment. As his sons died and disobeyed the Lord, would his sympathy carry himself over where he gets bitter at God, he goes against God, and he says, I'm with my sons. Or would he say, my sons sinned against God. And God judged them. And this is right in the sight of the Lord. Where would you be, fathers, or even mothers today? Aaron made a very impressionable testimony here. He held his peace. He didn't speak a word. He didn't complain. He didn't get bitter. I believe maybe within his heart he said, let the Lord have his way. You remember Job in the Bible, he lost his sons and daughters as well, remember that? And Job being sacrificed to the Lord, not for him, but also for his sons, because it may have been that that maybe my sons have transgressed against the Lord, sinned against the Lord, so it could have been that his sons were maybe very prideful and maybe uh, sinful, uh, 
uh, uh, men uh, in the community, and, and uh, he wanted to make sure that they were right with God. And, but God takes his sons and even daughters away, and, and he says in verse 21 of that, Job chapter 1, Naked came I out of my womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It is also written of him, in all this, sin, in all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. So Job also kept his what? Silence. Peace. I think about a... Uh, church planner in Arizona, and uh, he's going there, I think he's already there, and, and planning a church, and it's only been maybe a year or two, and, and I think he has five children or so, and his youngest son just died of cancer recently. I think he was only maybe three, four years old, and about a tragic situation, and emailed us, and letting us know when the funeral is, and just pray for their family. But that gentleman, in every way, by the grace of God, is still going forward and planning a church and living for God and preaching the word of God week to week and, and also even providing for his family and, and praying for new converts, praying for also his children to be saved in the future. And, and God is doing within his heart great things. And he is not charging God foolishly. And in every way, he's trying to live for the Lord, even with this great tragedy. And, they, and Father, especially, I want to encourage you today that you know, there are some things that are out of your control. You know, we as men, we want to be in control and, you know, fix the situation, fix the solution. And, and uh, we want to make sure we come up uh, with all the answers in life for our children and also our family. But sometimes God is in control. And we're out of control. We're not in control. In every way, you know, uh, I'm just telling you, my friend, that we're, we're going to face some circumstances in life where we're not in control and, and we're going to feel like we're out of control. And in every way, we need to come to the Lord and saying, Lord, you're in control all the time. And let's not in any way have our pride works where we ha- have more bitterness and frustrations. Let us keep our silent peace and, and, some, and sometimes. May God's grace take over. And let us trust in sovereign control. And let us, in every way, realize that we need him more than we need us. A father with a silent peace. I hope you could be that when trials come in your life. Uh, We could all have that great trust in our God. Number three, a father with a suitable passion. A father with a suitable passion. Numbers 20, verse 27 to 28. And Moses did as the Lord commanded, and they went up into Mount Hor in sight of all the congregation. And Moses stripped Aaron of his garment and put them on Eliezer's son. And Aaron died there in the top of the mountain. And Moses and Eliezer came down from the mountain. Imagine these three going up to the mountain, Moses, Aaron, and Eliezer. And they all knew why they were going up to the mountain on that day. And, and up to his death, He kept the privilege, Aaron did, of being God's priest for the nation of Israel. And notice what he, notice the fact that he wasn't stripped of his garment before the congregation. Meaning, 
he was not ashamed before the congregation. So God gave him that honor to go up to Mount Hor. And by the way, Moses would go to Mount Pisgah, and and, uh, he would also climb up a mound and die there. We see the same similative honor there for these men. Now, Aaron, as he was going up to Mount Hor, I'm sure he had to reflect about his life, and he probably had some insecurity. Oh, I still remember that time when I made the golden calf with the congregation. I still remember the time when my sister and I accused Moses of uh, 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 marrying uh, 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 a Gentile, a uh, uh, non-Israel person. I still remember complaining, and I still remember doing the wrongful things. I'm sure he had the insecurity, but also, I'm sure... He had the security of God's grace in knowing, hey, I'm going to the mound, and uh, I'm going to see him, and I still have my garments on. I still have my priestly responsibility and duties. I'm still serving God. I'm not swallowed up by a fire. I'm not taken up uh, into the earth like the uh, congregation of Korah. I'm going to a mound. I'm going to die an honorable death. It was a suitable passing for Aaron. And by the way, his body was kept on that mount. Moses and Eliezer, they were the only two that came down from that mount. Which depicts God's memorial for Aaron. Not the men's, but God's memorial for Aaron. You know, God was in every way gracious to Aaron, even at his death and he was also gracious to keep his promise that the priest's office were kept by his son. And Aaron's son, Eliezer, was a faithful priest that stood with Moses after Aaron's death. And not only that, also they stood with Joshua going into the promised land. Yes, he lost Nadab and Abihu because of disobedience to the Lord. But he still had Eliezer. His son was faithful in carrying out the priestly uh, uh, priestly duties. And then also even his uh, uh, grandson, Phineas, was a very faithful priest. And, and, uh, and in every way, they were zealous for the Lord. And I even read in, in my devotion about Phineas this morning how Phineas uh, struck a man with a javelin because he married an idolatrous woman of a Midianite. And God commends Phineas for being zealous and being uh, on fire for God and also being, sa- uh, being a sanctified priest for the nation of Israel and, and also uh, because he took away uh, the sin of uh, a camp that, uh, that God's plague was, was withheld so that more people wouldn't die. And God commends Phineas for being a bold man of God. You see... Aaron, in every way, was, you know, shifted to the left and shifted to the right sometimes because of what people said. And he had to find his security as he went on, and he kept a silent peace later on and kept on doing God's resp- uh, God-given responsibility in his life. And his son, Eliezer, kept on seeing what he did, saw God's grace, and saw more security. And then even his grandson, Phineas, became more zealous for the Lord became more godly servant of God. You know, I'm thinking about my life. You know, uh, I'm like a uh, second-generation Christian. My mom is the first. I'm second. I always think to myself, you know, my family's Christian testimony is only 
one generation from extinction. One generation. You know, my concern for my children is not what they do in their career. Now, that's a concern, of course, sometimes. But my concern is, are they going to be born again? Are they going to be in church three times a week? Are they going to love the Lord and serve God? Are they going to love this book and pray? That's my concern for my children. And fathers, you might have a concern in every way. Hey, I want my children to be successful, and I want them to marry the good person, and and that's a very important thing, and, and marry a successful person. And you might have that dream, but have faith and have hope, more so concerning their spiritual needs. Are your children saved? That should be a great concern if they're not saved this morning. Pray for your child. Invest in your child of godliness because I want my children to be a better Christian than I could ever be. And they have a better chance at it. Because the faith that God in every way has, you know, uh, instilled to me, you know, uh, not because, of course, all because of my mom, but my mom's testimony has inspired me to be faithful. And, and uh, I hope my children will see the generation of faith. I think that's why Paul mentions to Timothy, don't you remember your grandmother Lois? Don't you remember your mother Eunice? How they were steadfast in the faith of God. You see, as generations go, okay, I believe the future generation will be more stronger, more zealous for the Lord if we just keep being faithful now. Yes, you have your past. Yes, you have your trials. Yes, you have your insecurities. But be faithful today. Be faithful fathers. Be a faithful mother even. Be a faithful Christian because the next generations are watching Eliezer is watching. Phineas is watching. Your grandchildren are watching. How would you end? Would you have an honorable death? Would you still have your garment on for the Lord? The breastplate of righteousness. The helmet of salvation. Would you be girded with truth? Would you have the sword of the spirit? Would you have the shield of faith? Would you have all those armors on? As you are passing from this life to the next. And your son or your grandson will say, my grandfather was a faithful man of God. He kept his armor on until the death, until his last breath, living for Jesus Christ. Would you do that? Not for your generation, but for God first. And I believe your generation will be inspired to do the same.